So the crowd following Jesus is growing by the day. And it's now upwards to 5,000 men that are listening to Jesus on the hillside on the other side of Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias as the Romans call it. And if you counted women and children, we're talking 10, 15, 20,000 people. That's quite a crowd. It'd be hard to feed that crowd, especially without DoorDash or Uber Eats. No way to get food on site, and it produced a real dilemma. You know the story. Jesus takes just a little boy's lunch of five loaves and two fish, and he blesses it, and he begins to break it, and it ends up feeding all the multitude. I can only imagine what they must have been feeling as they're continuing to eat to the point that they are completely full and there is more than 12 baskets left over. Can you imagine being in the middle of that miracle? Fascinating to have been there. But by the next day, this crowd is turning away in droves. The thousands is reduced to dozens. All because Jesus starts requiring faith rather than filling bellies. And what he has to say is just too hard to swallow. Up to that point, they felt like they had won the golden ticket. I mean, what more could you ask for than an all-you-can-eat buffet of fish sandwiches? And, and also a guy that is no doubt the leader that will take back your country, get rid of Rome. But the day after the feast, Jesus vanishes. He just up and disappears. He's gone. They, they were willing to follow him anywhere, but he's nowhere to be found. And they anxiously search and go to the other side of the lake, thinking, where could he be? And that's where they find him on the other side. He just right out left them. Why? What was he thinking? We like being around him. He has food. Look at verse 25 of John 6. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? What they really meant to say was, we're hungry again. And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Wow. Don't you just hate it when Jesus calls you out for your bad motives? <laughs> I mean, he knows how to, wow, kind of makes me hurt for him. That's because he's called me out like that before too. <laughs> now, for some context here, we have to go back 1,500 years when in Jewish history, God's people were enslaved by a true tyrant. It was Egypt, Egypt's Pharaoh. And, and God heard the cries of his people who were asking for deliverance and freedom. And he, he raised up his servant Moses to send him to his people and free them from their bondage. So out of Egypt they came and they, they crossed through the parted Red Sea. And eventually they would cross into the promised land. But first they had to go through a wilderness. And let me just tell you, wildernesses are not that much fun. They weren't. It wasn't for them at all. In fact, it turned their songs of deliverance that they were singing in Exodus 15 
into hangry grumbling in Exodus 16. They went from singing the song of Moses, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. I don't know if that's the melody they sang. That's the one I learned. They're singing that song in Exodus 15, and then all of a sudden they get hungry and they're mad. And here's what they said. Would that we had just died in Egypt. <laughs> wow. Talk about, talk about a swing there. We're so happy you delivered us. We should have just died in Egypt. Next chapter. I mean, here's what they said. At least we had bread in Egypt. You've led us out here, Moses, to die of starvation. So God smote them and we never heard from them again. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. He, he, he didn't smite them. We did hear from them again. Aren't you glad? I mean, that gave, gives us hope. Maybe he won't smite us and we never be heard from again. God, in his rich mercy, abounding in steadfast love, he heard their grumbling, but despite all of that, he gave them food. Here's what he told Moses in Exodus chapter 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. Rain bread from heaven. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Listen, God sends bread from heaven. It's called manna. That's right. It's called good. We're participating this morning. It's called good. It's called manna. And he, he not only sent it to provide for them, he sent it to test them. And it makes me wonder how many of God's provisions in my life are also meant to test me. To see where my real motive is. To see if I'm pure or if I'm just after God as a vending machine. He sent not only to provide, but to test. God provides, and think about this. Every single day, well, not the Sabbath, the seventh day he didn't give manna. He did double portion on the sixth day to provide for the seventh day. Every single day for 40 years, God has provided for his people bread from heaven. So fast forward 1,500 years, and Jesus now has fed the multitude on the seashore of Galilee. And they're excited because this miraculous provision can only mean one thing for Israel. We're back. Better than ever. We've got it made. Endless food and a political solution for our Roman occupiers. And he's going to make Israel great again. Jesus... Jesus had a different rule. Jesus said this in verse 27, if you're still there in John 6. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. The food that perishes versus the food that gives eternal life. Now, I'll have what he's having. <laughs> I'll, 
I'll take the eternal life special, please. Uh, That's the food that sounds good to me, but like Esau, all too often we're more willing to trade our birthright for a bowl of stew. We are controlled too often by our appetites and not by our heart. We desire immediate satisfaction rather than eternal life. This life that Jesus has spoken of here, that we should have the food that endures to eternal life, it's an interesting word. You see, in the English, uh, life can mean many different things. You use that one word for lots of things. For example, like if you're at a funeral and I walk up to you and I say, life is precious. That means one thing. But if I were also to say, hey, how's life treating you? means something altogether different. But in the Greek, in the New Testament, life is distinguished by different words. There are at least three, two of which I want to look at. One of them is bios. Bios is where we get our word biology from, B-I-O-S. Bios refers to the means for life. It is the way to acquire life. It's like saying to someone, you are making a living or earning a living. That's bios. It's what Jesus referred to when he looked at the poor woman who gave her two mites in the offering at the temple, and he said of her that she gave more than all the rest because she gave all that she had to live on. Bios. She gave all that she had to Bios. The more pertinent Greek word is a word that those who went to Camp of Champions many years ago will know. It's zoe. And zoe is used 135 times in the New Testament. It's what Jesus is talking about here in John 6 when he says, Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, zoe. That's the word Jesus used. In fact, in this chapter, Jesus uses that word 11 times. It must be important. Zoe is the uncreated God life. It's the eternal life. It's the life in the spirit. And it's a central theme throughout the Bible because that's why we see the tree of life in the garden at the very beginning in Genesis. And we also see that same tree of Zoe in Revelation at the end of the story. Zoe has always been God's intention for us. A life beyond what we create for ourselves. His Zoe, his his life that is abundant has been intended for us. It is the incorruptible, divine, indestructible, eternal life of God. Jesus is not interested in us growing more refined or cultivated in ourselves. He's not looking for us to employ self-help tactics to create the life that we want to have. He's looking to give us life that we can never have apart from us, apart from him. He is looking to give us Zoe, his life, his life. When we have our measly efforts towards creating bios, he says to us, come have my abundant zoe, 
life to live in, life to live through. Look how the crowd responds in verse 28. And then they said to him, "Uh, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see you or see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life, zoe, to the world. They said to him, sir, sir, give us this bread. Always give it to us. Have you noticed that when Jesus offers something like the bread of heaven or the living water, people always want it? but they don't always get it. In this case, they wanted something that they were refusing to receive. In the case of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, she asked for living water. And because she chose to believe, she received what she asked for. We don't always get what we really want. Because what Jesus requires to eat the bread of life is that we stop gorging ourselves on everything else. And what he requires if you want the living water is that you stop drinking from every other well. Throughout John 6, we're seeing this back and forth dialogue between Jesus and a fickle crowd. They're weak, they're self-serving, they're hungry. And that's about all that matters. They're going back and forth. They're challenging him at every turn, even though he had just fed them the day before in such a way that blew their minds. It's indicative of how many people come to Jesus. They come around Jesus with mixed motives and selfish ambition. And we're all mixed in our motives. It is only because of God's zoe in us that begins to purify us out of that mixed motive. This crowd has been challenging Jesus at every turn. First, they expected easy access to him and his provision. You remember we talked about that. They woke up the next morning after gorging themselves on all of his food, and he's nowhere to be found. And they're miffed, they're mad. Wait a minute. We were willing to follow you. You just left. We're hungry today. You just left us. And they begin to demand access to him on their terms, not on his. Remember that when they couldn't find him, they grew offended and their motives became clear. They became clear that they were out for their own selves, for for them own selves. Next In verse 28, they wanted to know what they must do to be seen as doing the works of God. This is fascinating, the language here. 
what must we be what, what what must we do to be seen as doing the works of God? Wow, I mean, this shows their wrong motivation. They they wanted to be seen as doing the right thing. They wanted their image to be we did it right. We we checked all the boxes. We kept all the rules. What must we do to be seen as doing God's work? Wow, that's a different question than what Jesus is willing to answer. What must we do? Notice how they're more interested in doing the right thing than they are in a relationship. Jesus just says, here's the work you do. Believe me. Believe me. Our works never get it done. It's believing Jesus that makes anything work. Finally, they wanted a sign. (laughs) Didn't they just have one? They wanted a sign to convince them that Jesus was worthy of their devotion. Give us a sign. Not just a one-time meal. Maybe meal every day for 40 years. Then we might follow you. They wanted a sign. They wanted him to perform. They wanted him to be like a a trick pony so that they could see that what he was doing was to their benefit. This is a real pitfall for a lot of people. We can all grow more interested in signs and performance than we can in receiving his life, in believing him. And receiving the bread of heaven and being washed by the blood of the lamb. Jesus says, stop looking for the handout and just take my hand. You're looking for provision when I'm giving you the bread of life. Verse 35 says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have zoe. And I will raise him up on the last day. When you're in Christ, you're what he's talking about right here. Everything the Father has given him, he will not lose. If you belong to Christ, the Father gave you to him. And he doesn't lose what the Father gives him. But look at verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. There they go again with their grumbling. They've been grumbling ever since the Exodus. But let's not be too harsh. We're all prone to grumble sometimes. This discourse between the bread of life 
And this hungry crowd keeps escalating to the point that it just becomes too much for them. They can't handle what he has to give them. It's too much. In verse 66, it says this. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. It didn't say many of those coming along, many of the Romans, many of the Samaritans, many of the outsiders. It said many of his disciples turned away. They turned and no longer walked with him. Now that's, that's an indictment because there are still disciples today that get to a place where what Jesus has to say is just too hard. Here's what Jesus said to the 12. Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him. One of the most profound things Peter ever said. He had his moments. He said some pretty good things. He said some stupid things too. Uh, That makes me feel very comfortable. Because ever so often, uh, I get one good thing to my 10 or 12 bad things. And here's what Simon said. Lord, to him... Or to whom shall we go? You have the words of Zoe. You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed. That's what Jesus said we had to do, right? Remember when he's talked about what are the works that you have to do? Believe him. So Peter's smart enough to realize you have the words of life. You have that eternal Zoe. And we've believed you. And have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That's how you get saved. You recognize that he has eternal life, Zoe, and that he is exactly who he said he is and that all you have to do to get in on it is believe. Simon got it, and so did 10 of his closest friends. What about you? What are you eating today? What loaf of bread are you chowing down on? Is it the bread of heaven that produces pure zoe? Or is it the earthly instincts that are stuck in bios? Always building your life a means towards a better life. Getting more for yourself. Because after all, he who with the most toys at the end wins. Jesus provides abundant life. He said, if you seek to gain your bios, you will lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, you will gain zoe. C.S. Lewis in the book Mere Christianity said this. A man who changed from having bios to having zoe would have gone through as big a change as a statue which changed from being a carved stone to be in a real man. And that is precisely what Christianity is about. This world is a great sculptor's shop. We are the statues. And there is a rumor going around that some of us are someday going to come to life. Oh, it's more than a rumor. It's the gospel. And it tells us that if real life is to return, Zoe, it will have to come from the one who created it in the first place. 
And in order for our bios to become zoe, zoe had to become bios to dwell among us and to save us from our empty bios and to give us his zoe. It's the divine exchange all over again. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Let's feast on him. Donna. I'm going to read you a brief paraphrase of Isaiah 55 before I pray with us. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why do you spend money on what is not bread and labor for what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me and listen that you may live. That's how we eat of him. We come, we listen, and we take of his life. So the rest of what I'm going to read to you is out of Isaiah 55, but I'm using the language, eat of me. So when you eat of me, you eat of Jesus, he will make an everlasting covenant of love with you. If you eat of him and seek him and call on him and turn away from all those other desires, those other fountains, seeking our own satisfaction, if we turn away from that and eat of him, he will give us mercy and pardon us. Verse 11 says he will feed us with his word and that word in us will accomplish everything he desires and achieve the purpose for which he fed us. When we eat of him, we will have joy and peace. I want that. I want to be able to give that to other people. Instead of thorns, we will bear fruit when we eat of him. And this will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. What that means is when we eat of him, we will bring him glory. And that's my prayer for us today. You know, if you're here this morning and this has just spoke to your heart and you thought, I'm eating from the wrong table, or I just... I need to recognize that he is Zoe, and I've been working hard for Bios. I've been working hard for other things than what he promises. I believe that he is here, the Holy Spirit is here, to touch you and to reorient you around the truth that's being spoken of today. And so we'd like to pray for you. And so just where you are without coming up here or breaking any social distancing rules, Jesus doesn't social distance. He comes close. 
draws near to you when you draw near to him. So if that's where you are today without worrying about what anybody else does, what anybody else thinks, if you'd like for us to pray for you, would you just stand right where you are? We'll pray for you, okay? Just stand where you are. Father, we acknowledge that you are the bread of life. And we take due consideration of what we've been eating and drinking. And we want to turn away from the things that please us and lean into you and find out what is pleasing to you. We do want to eat the bread of life. Mm -hmm. We want to bear fruit in your name. We want to bring joy and peace into situations because you are alive in us. We want to give up trying to save our bios so we can have Zoe. And so we submit, Father, all the things that so desperately matter to us, the things that weigh on us, the things that concern us, because you are able to perfect all things. Your care for us is beyond our comprehension. Yes. And you have truly provided everything we need in yourself. And we don't want to choose lesser food. We want you, Jesus. Yes. Lord, I pray for every person that's standing today, maybe those that are watching on the stream, those that may listen to this later. If there's something that's hollow in our heart, Lord, we know the only thing that can truly fill it is the bread that comes down from heaven. It's Jesus. You are the bread of life. Forgive us, Lord, for filling ourselves with things that don't satisfy. Lord, help us to feast from your table. Eat of your flesh and drink of your blood in the spirit, Lord, knowing that your life has been promised to us, a Zoe life that causes us to have abundance and overflowing and selflessness in our living. I pray, Lord, for these that are standing, that you, the Holy Spirit, will fill them right now in Jesus' name. We breathe in your spirit, Lord, and ask that you would set things right. That you would touch bodies that are in need of physical touch. That you will touch emotions that are broken and hurting and depressed and anxious and fearful. We pray, Lord, that the Zoe will cause abundance to happen to our mental health and our physical health and certainly our spiritual health, Lord. I pray that the power of God that is in the word would break forth even this week. That abundant life would harvest, be harvested in this week. And Lord, we submit ourselves to you as a community of believers. May we not walk in the things in life that we can create for ourselves, but may we walk in your Zoe. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
let's stand together and sing our closing song.